0: Did you hear that? What was it? A coyote. There aren't any coyotes in England. My guest on this episode is Sally Ann Bedford. Sally Ann is an author whose long standing love of hammer horror films and the darker stories we tell has greatly influenced her prose. Her bi monthly Substack newsletter. Into the Shadows is a welcome edition of My Inbox. Sally Ann's first novel, The Cure, a dark thriller set in an ex-asylum, the very sort Sally Ann worked in herself, will be released in fall of 2022 from Joffe Books. Sally Ann is also a massive fan of John Landis's 1981 Academy Award winning horror comic masterpiece, An American Werewolf in London. At a recent online gathering we were at, she spoke about the film with such enthusiasm and passion, I knew I wanted to have her on this podcast. This is Geek for, a podcast about fans, fandom, and fan culture. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce. Everyone likes something, but what are you a geek for? Sally-Ann, thank you so much for coming on Geek 4 to talk about The American Werewolf in London.
1: Thank you. I'm very, very happy to be here and talk about it. I'll talk to anyone about it. I'll talk your ears off about it.
0: That's what I'm hoping for today. (laughs) So when did you first see this film? I mean, it's kind of a seminal horror film. When did you first see it?
1: I was trying to think what year it must have been last night. Um, Well, it was released in cinemas in eighty one. And I tried, because I saw it when it came out at Blockbuster Video. Did you have Blockbuster's there? Blockbuster's was our yes. rental. So I saw it as soon as it came out there, which I think I, I think it came out in 81 later on in the year, which I wasn't, didn't see, it seemed a bit quick, but I'm sure it said it was, so it did. So I saw it when I was eight, nine. Oh. <laughs> and I remember, <laughs> yeah. But... Well. Before I'd seen that, I just put it in perspective because that's pretty lightweight because I remember being in junior two, which is eight years old and having a conversation with somebody and wondering why they hadn't seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Friday the 13th and the Hammer House Saturday night hour long specials. So like You don't see this. know, like, I don't know what that is. I, I have that very vivid memory of talking to somebody in the classroom and wondering why they hadn't seen them too.
0: So so young Sally Ann was very well exposed to horror and scary things.
1: Yeah, I wrote my newsletter about my 11th birthday party when mom let me. I don't know why they let me have Poltergeist as a birthday film. So I (laughs) and the worst was I had all my friends there half in tears. One had to go home so she could never come back to a party again. I spent most of the time in the kitchen with the presents because I'd seen it all before. And I was more interested in the gifts, and my mom kept saying, "Go back in there, go back with your friends." Oh, seen it, and then went in there, and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> it's green," but to me, it was normal, and I don't uh-huh. know why. I don't. I just. I was the youngest kid. Whether my parents by that point had gone, oh, oh yeah, 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 very bossy, and I wanted to watch it, so just did. As an
0: oldest child, my experience is like we we. You know all the rules are set for us and the younger children you know get the advantage of having us come through it so
1: yeah parents get a bit bored by the end yeah. so so american wealth in london i remember going into blockbusters in chesterfield which is the town where i grew up <laughs> and it's father's day here i don't know if it is there too yes yeah right, okay and i went in with my dad who bless him uh, wasn't the most focused on what i was doing he went off to look at the, something called, he wouldn't thank me for this, but he's no longer here, so we'll never know. Um, something called Electric Blue, which are like quite saucy, is that? The little, word? A
0: little racy, little racy. <laughs> yeah,
1: a little racy. So I remember him going off and looking at that shelf and looking up there. So he, his neck was craning into what was up there. And I remember Horror was here. So I went off there. I remember the video case and thinking, I want to see that. It had London in the title. Uh-huh. Which I just—the first thing I wanted to do when I was old enough was to go and move to London, and it had a werewolf. So I was like, "Yeah." I remember getting it down off the shelf when I was about nine. Yeah. I don't know if my dad got one of his down off the shelf. I don't remember that. <laughs>
0: but he was preoccupied enough not to pay attention. To exactly. What you
1: get? <laughs> yeah, get what you want, love.
0: <laughs> Rent it. Fine. Fine. Take it. <laughs> yeah. Take it. So it becomes this this favorite film. I mean, you watch it a lot. You've seen it many times. Um,
1: it probably is. I've always been quite conservative about it, but I'm thinking that was 1981. We recorded it off the TV when it came there. They've rented it more than once. I watch it about three times a year. That's almost 40 years ago, sometimes more than three times a year. So it's over, probably over 100 times, I think.
0: What was it that drew you back? Like I'm assuming you didn't watch Poltergeist that many times.
1: No, I've no, not at so. all. There's a handful of films that I've seen more than once and that I'll watch um, while I'm doing dinner or something. Um, what was it? It was probably everything about it appealed to nine-year-old me and it stuck then. It was a woman who was a nurse who met a really good-looking American man. <laughs> so in my head, I was like, okay, I'll put the pieces together. If I go and live in London, I'll become a nurse. This is what I'm going to do when I grow up. And I'm going to meet an American backpacker. And it's all going to be great because bearing in mind then there's no internet. Yeah. We didn't have that much. Well, we didn't have much money at all. We went to like coastal places in England. So I'd never been to America. That was just like the most exotic place you could imagine. Oh, (laughs) Sally,
0: man. Oh, Sally, man. (laughs) Oh, Sally.
1: It's going a completely different way, isn't it? So, yeah, I love the aesthetics. No, I just love the American man. Um, So, yeah, we had Dallas. So I grew up on Dallas and dynasty and fame. So American things, were just to me, were just very, very attractive and just like, ooh. So when I saw this film, it just had everything. It had London that seemed glamorous and exotic. um, And it had (laughs) an American very good looking American and I had a wolf which is kind of like a dog which I also love
0: yes you you how many dogs do you have three okay they the are moment. they are absolutely lovely post them thank on social you. media they're delightful yes. thank
1: you yeah. <laughs>
0: so you actually saw this film as some sort of like life path that you might aspire to
1: yeah oh,
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> re- uh, up until a certain point in the film that's really that's really admirable um <laughs> <laughs> becomes a bit more problematic later on but and you keep coming back like this is i mean to me this is such an interesting film i was saying before we started recording i saw it very late i was always someone who was fascinated by horror but was really kind of i i will use the word traumatized advisedly um by a few early exposures it's so funny i have friends whose parents didn't believe in babysitters and so took them to every move like i have friends who saw the exorcist when they were like three um because their parents just took them to every and i can't imagine that the american wolf in london the transformation scene still affects me like it, like i love it now because i can you know it doesn't scare me but it still like gets me and that's just such an amazing piece of cinema
1: funnily enough it wasn't that bit that scared me the only bit that did was the bit in the forest where he's dreaming when mm. he's in the hospital bed and she leans over and he goes Rah! and he's got the mm. white face and the teeth I saw that once in 81, the first time I watched it, and probably for the next 10 years, I knew when it was coming and I just go like that. I couldn't watch it, I put my hands over my eyes, I didn't watch it for about 10 years. It just used, That's the only bit that used to get me.
0: And now it's okay. And now it's okay. You, you've built up an immunity to it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I just, I loved everything. And I don't know at what point that happened, it was it the first time, the second or the 50th time. The music, you know, I was very young, or you know, I thought it was so clever to have all the moon songs. Yeah. I, thought that, I, you know, I was like, I thought it was really clever to have got that. Like, do you know what he's done? He's put the moon in every in every <laughs> like single every song. Really <laughs> onto it. I I like the humour in it and the quirkiness. Mm-hmm. And that as an adult, I didn't obviously didn't think about those things then. I feel like John Landis would. I feel like I don't really know any of his other stuff. I don't really need to see any of it because this is the film I love. I'm quite mm-hmm. happy with that. But I feel like you would know him by watching this film. I feel it probably might not be, but I feel like he'd be a really fun guy.
0: Yeah, if I remember correctly, I mean, he's done a lot of films, obviously, but he also did the, uh, the Michael Jackson thriller video. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that that's him as well. So like yeah, that, he- again, that, that very similar sensibility that is scary, but this kind of winking at the camera thing all happening at the same time. I've yeah. always liked that. I, you know, that's to me much more engaging as a, as a, as a horror film, uh, if there's a little bit of humor.
1: Yeah, I did. I did that Hollywood cheesy tour thing on the mm-hmm. bus. Yeah, we get to all the houses. We went to his house and he has all these like weird statues outside, these funky statues. Of course I was like, do. yeah, of course. That's does. Of
0: course. So I'm curious, You like you become this like real fan of this film. It's a, it's it's a pretty significant part of your life three times a year. That's a lot. That's a big commitment. I'm curious about you introducing it to other people like, you know, I've told this story before on the podcast. I had to stop teaching Casablanca for a little while as a film scholar because students' responses just drove me up the wall. Like it was, you know, superficial, like, ah, that was this the character's whiny. And I'm like, oh, I can't handle you not <laughs> liking this. Like if you don't have to like everything I like, that's, that's I'm not indoctrinating students by any stretch of the imagination. But that unreflective, I just don't like this and it's stupid, I can't, I couldn't handle. Uh, I've kind of come around on that and I have a way to introduce it now. But I'm curious about you introducing this thing that you love to people. How has that gone over?
1: Um, I'm not sure that how many people I have. I'll definitely judge people if they say something bad about it. I will go down a little bit in my estimation. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. Um,
0: I'm so <laughs> glad I learned that before. I'm so glad <laughs> I learned that you like this movie early on in our in our friendship. <laughs>
1: yeah. And if somebody says they really like it, I'm like, yeah, add friend. Add yeah, friend. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're for me. Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of do. I don't know that I've ever somebody down because a lot of people had seen it by the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: um i think i might have shown it i will have shown it my son and he's kind of like yeah it's okay, it's okay. Even my <laughs> son so he can stay i'm not gonna <laughs> he has to he <laughs>
0: really kick him out but... <laughs> a little
1: disappointed but you know, <laughs> the I mean, law says i have to keep taking care of him
0: for a while um uh, and maybe he'll come around maybe it's an acquired taste yeah. um it is you know you think about how far special effects have come I have noticed that with, with certain films, especially horror, because the physical effects looked a certain way and, and they don't look like that anymore, even though they probably should.
1: I like that. I see I was watching it today. Well, I've watched it today, I've watched it just today again. That is incredible. When he, when his spine comes up. Yeah. Like that they did that, that Rick Baker did that in 1981 and the foot growing, and uh-huh. I like that he's sweating is in pain. Because that would be really, really painful. His hand, the hand where the hand grows. There are bits of it that are a bit like where it's kind of in the floor, and it's, and you know what's, I know how they did that now. By the time I didn't know how they did that, but I still think 80% of that, 90% of those effects, I wouldn't be any more impressed if they did CGI. In fact, I'd be less impressed. I don't like that.
0: No, I I think the mind still, the eye still catches if it's CGI. Um, It doesn't look quite right. And I mean, interestingly, uh, American Werewolf in London is an Academy Award winning film. It, it's the first film that won Best Makeup, the first yeah, ever.
1: Absolutely. And he goes, he's on Instagram, Rick Baker. He still does incredible stuff. And I was Googling the other day because I'm constantly trying to find a full-sized werewolf that looks like the American <laughs> werewolf. And about three or four years ago, they had them, some monster.com thing had them. They're about $5,000.
0: Yeah.
1: I'll just sell stuff. I'll just yeah, do that. Yeah. And but then I found out that the original one, Rick Baker gave it to his friend, I can't remember his name, Ms. or something, but he collects like sci-fi is a good friend of his. So I, mm. I saw the original wolf. Mm. And it had to he, they sent it to this guy who had to retouch it because it was a bit battered by the time it finished filming. But yeah, I want a real one of those. Not a real one. Well, cage it every 30 days. <laughs> 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 you see, that's why like, that's my that's how obsessed I am. Is that I hate, I can't bear the taxi driver in the film that tells him, oh, you know, right, proper, whatever, last night, you know, all those murders and ruins it because they were just on the way to the hospital. Mm -hmm. It was all going to be sorted um, by the doctor and he ruins it and changes the whole way the film goes. And I think she could have kept, she could have, he'd have just gone to a, like a medical facility or a prison every 30 days, every full moon. And they could have kept the relationship going and been quite happy.
0: I, I think that that's a very practical response to uh, lupinism. Uh, or, uh, Mark, I'm not sure what the, what the word for, for uh, werewolfism is, but uh, I think that that's a very practical response. Like, do you have this bigger fascination with werewolves?
1: No. Just, just, this, one. just, just this one? Just this ha- one? Oh, this one? This sounds crazy. We had a dog, a <laughs> <rich> back. <laughs> It was a bit crazy and he had to be separated from the other dogs because he was quite vicious to other dogs. He had special needs. And I'd have this really crazy look. And when he did this crazy look, I'd just go, I love you, David. <laughs> he was like my own <laughs> werewolf. It was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's what I kind of, I do want my, I've got a little one. He's Oh, that's sweet. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I'd quite happily just have been a nurse in London. I had, My relationship and just kept him in a cage every full moon
0: that sounds fair and fine have you seen um there's a there's a show i think it's on amazon prime over here i'm sure then it's just a prime show wolf like me no it's australian josh gadd who's an american comedian and um oh ilsa fisher Um, and it's she's a werewolf in modern day melbourne and it's right. uh, the way they approach it is very similar to the way you uh, suggest it should be approached. It's okay. not, it's not bad. Check it's like out. eight eight episodes, six episodes, something like that. Uh, uses this Queens of the Stone Age as as a kind of constant soundtrack. It's it's actually pretty good. I really enjoyed it.
1: Okay, I'll check that out. Yeah. I should probably talk about some of the filming merits of the film, shouldn't I? Cinematography. Yes. Oh, please. If the you... incidental yes, music. Yes, yes.
0: Oh, Sally <laughs> Ann. Oh, Sally Impress me. Impress me.
1: <laughs> no, I can't. No. <laughs> but I do think, as well as the soundtrack, the moon songs, um, like I have um, Bad Moon Rising's my telephone, my telephone, my mobile ringtone, of course. Oh, nice. Um, but even the incidental music is beautiful, and it has the perfect ending for me despite Mm -hmm. the fact I don't like the fact he died. Um, I think it's an incredible end in the Piccadilly stuff and just the sharp body gone. And even I love the credits because I love the fact that they, it was 81, so they say congratulations to Charles and Diana on your wedding. And then...
0: (laughs) I don't think I I ever noticed that.
1: (laughs) Watch to the end, yeah. Um, and then at the end, is the disclaimer, all characters and events in this film are fictitious. Any similarity to actual events, of persons living, dead, or undead, is purely coincidental. Nice. Which I thought was genius. Yeah. Like even when I was little, I remember seeing that and thinking, "Oh, that's brilliant." That's yeah,
0: I'd like. <laughs> I, I've seen that in a couple of different things. I want. I'd love to track down like what was the first to use it because eighty one is pretty early.
1: Yeah, I'd so like that, to think like they that. that
0: might be, yeah. I'm
1: going to say, that you need to look it
0: up. Yeah, yeah, okay. We'll, we'll just assume, and I'll put it on the internet, and then it'll become true. That's how that works now, I think.
1: Wiki it. Yeah, let's
0: put it in a wiki. So I think we have to talk about the um, uncomfortable sequel, uh, American War of Paris. Thoughts on American I- World of Paris? <laughs>
1: I think I kind of I remember seeing that I don't I can't remember if I've wa- I can't remember if i watched it and I think that might be because it was awful yeah or it would annoy me or I think there was slight excitement that I was going to get more of the same mm. and possibly when I didn't get more of the same I just turned off the idea of it altogether. Um, then I heard there was going to be a remake of Amer- an American wealth in London, oh. and that was going to be possible. The rumor was it was Max Landis was going uh. to make it. But then there were issues around that. I think his dad went.
0: I've heard, I've heard there's some issues around Max Landis.
1: Yeah, so let's not do that. But, I, you know, even if it was him, even if there weren't those issues, I, I just, I don't see, it isn't broken. No. It isn't broken at all. It doesn't need to be fixed. It's just brilliant as is. not it'd be a real shame to go and CGI it up and I, I'd resent it and I'd never go see it, quite frankly. Yeah.
0: I'm pretty sure I only saw American War from Paris because of Julia Delpy. Um, that would be the only reason I would have seen it, and, <laughs> and it wasn't enough to watch it again. So it was not. No, a,
1: not I a do way. have vague, vague feeling that I've watched it, but didn't, and I must have turned it off because I have no idea what happened in it.
0: Well, and it came out. I'm trying to remember. This is going straight from memory at this point. So it came out when I was in university. So, pro- like between '94 and '98, I guess probably like '96, '97, somewhere in there. Mm. That's a pretty long time between the original. I mean, it, it can be done. You know people have done sequels longer um and it's worked but it just yeah I just didn't see the point of it I mean if it was kind of trying to be a remake it wasn't really a building on the on the last one it wasn't the first characters. was supposed
1: to be filmed in Paris wasn't it but they couldn't get the yeah. filming there.
0: Yeah it's too I, late I <laughs> just let it go. The yeah, boat gone. Just let it go. Just let it go. <laughs> There's times to just let things go.
1: I have actually, I went to a friend of mine um, who's a great horror writer and has written a few biographies. He did the British Horror Locations book. Uh And I was back in contact with him at that time. I did a few plays with him. And he asked me if I would go to Arn in Wales to go and visit the slaughtered lamb. Uh Obviously, I thought about it for about a millisecond. Yes. (laughs) I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. So I drove up there. Um, it's supposed to be set in Yorkshire, but all the filming, the Moore's filming was done in Wales, and the, the pub is the exterior of the pub is in Wales. Um, and it's a, the it's a tiniest place in the middle of nowhere. And when I got there, I felt so conspicuous. I was just in my car, just putting, you must think they get this every week. I've seen so many pictures outside it, like. I'm sure. <laughs> And even I saw um, like someone got a transit van that was painted in beware the moon and all this was parked outside. <laughs> <laughs> so I went there and I, I was so shy. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't knock on the door. I just felt really embarrassed. So I took a photo of it and there was a car in front of it. I thought oh, they're still doing poor Derek. So nice. And, oh, that's done brilliant. But I went, I thought, okay, I'm here. So I've got the church that's in the film is there and it's right next to the house to the, what was the pub. So I walked into the churchyard up to the um what they call it, the no the church bit, the door, the doorway. Yeah. Um, and there's a child at the window of the slaughtered lamb and he just went, Daddy, there's a blonde lady in the churchyard. <laughs> oh God. They spotted me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and As you so said, they this probably happens all the time.
1: <laughs> no, just one of those fans. And it's so tiny, there's no way to get out without passing everybody looking out the window. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so funny. But I wasn't going to leave without going into the churchyard. No, 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 no. Just put your shame aside.
0: Yeah. Walk I'm in there. Own it. Clearly over it. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. You got it. <laughs> Oh, that's fun. Thank you so much for talking about this. This is so much fun.
1: Okay. I should Are also you... say the oh. first time I watched it, when I had it on TV, we had a really bad VHS recording of it mm-hmm. It was recorded off the TV. Oh. So actually for many years, I missed out quite a lot of words because where the TV went funny, there's a line where it says, um, uh, you're talking about the woman I love when they're on the first thing. He goes, no, I'm talking about a woman you want to F. Yeah. But that was like, And it never made sense because they'd put something like, I'm talking about a woman you want to see. They'd dubbed (laughs) it over. I remember being little thinking, that sounds really weird. And the dark scene, the famous dark scene that everybody knows where he makes him miss the board, Mm -hmm. it went all crackly. So it said, you made me miss. I never (laughs) before. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what what happened? What did he say? I don't remember. So I had that for ten years. It was, I said the joy when I got a VHS of my own.
0: Yes, and the and the actual swear words were included. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I, there are so many films that that's my experience of. I first saw them on TV, and they you know they they took the swearing out, and usually like really badly. Gosh, um, so really badly. Yeah, yeah. The woman I want to see. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a a wonderful (laughs) euphemism Uh, are you up for some fast forward bring it on all right sally ann is there something people think you would be a geek for but for some reason you just could never get into
1: oh sci-fi maybe maybe because i like the horror people have to go have you seen this Mm. I I couldn't even tell you the name of the sci-fi film, but often people join the two together. No, it actually brings me out in hives a little bit.
0: Okay. If (laughs) if anybody asks, Star Wars is a really. I
1: I haven't seen it. That's
0: all right. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're the one.
1: (laughs) The only one I saw that I had to sit through because I was somebody that was watching it was Starship Troopers, and it's the only time I've ever tried to fall asleep in a cinema. Like, gone over to try and get actually try and get comfy and try and get through it because the idea of staying till the end was just too awful. I'm oh. Not saying they're not great films, but no, no, just,
0: they're not, for you. They're not no. for you. Favorite favorite music to listen to while writing?
1: Agnes Abel. Mm, it makes me sound pretty intelligent, doesn't it? Uh,
0: very, very. <laughs> I, that, that was not in question, but okay. She was. Um,
1: um, she, yeah, she's, she's very moody and I mm-hmm. write dark stuff, so it's perfect.
0: Yeah. If they were going to do a third American Werewolf film, which city would you set it in? Oh,
1: oh, we've got to be quick. Uh, <laughs> Copenhagen.
0: Copenhagen. All right. Yeah, because I
1: think a Scandi one would be very good, and mm-hmm. Copenhagen is beautiful. Yes,
0: yes, I I thoroughly agree. And every Scandinavian thing that I've ever seen is dark and moody and horrifying. So that would fit perfectly.
1: Yeah, not for the... You probably I'm going to use this, but have you seen Two Summers? No. On Netflix? It's excellent. Write that down. I, that is Flemish, I think. Okay. It's very, very good. All
0: right. Favorite concert you've attended that featured animated, simulated, or CGI performers?
1: <laughs> Let me think. Ava. Yeah, Abba. that looks that looked so much fun. That looks like so much fun. It was... It Yeah, I... It, it, what's the word, exceeded expectation for sure. I thought it was just going to be like 2D hologram, the old school hologram projected against the board. Mm-hmm. You, I, We were all just like, I can't believe there aren't people there. I can't believe there aren't human beings under those costumes. It was great. It was really, really good. I think unless you really don't like them, you would enjoy going. Just the lights, lights all coming down from the ceiling. Just It was beautiful, just really beautifully done. But yeah, it was fab.
0: I can appreciate people saying I don't generally like ABBA, but like if there's no ABBA song at all that you can't handle, you're you might be a horrible person. You might you might be a sociopath. <laughs> I'm just you know, whatever. Just
1: putting that out there.
0: Dancing Queen comes on, you're singing yeah. along. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. How can people find you and support you on social media?
1: I am on Twitter at at sa underscore bedford, Facebook at Sally-Ann Bedford author. And Instagram at SA Bedford, author. It's really annoying that all different. Um, But yeah, so it's Sally Ann Bedford. And I also have a Substack newsletter called Into the Shadows.
0: And it's awesome. I thoroughly enjoy it. Like every every issue has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. And can you tell us a little bit about the novel that's coming out in October?
1: Yeah, October, November this year. um, It is a dark story. It's a dark thriller, chiller, um, and it's about a diet, a mysterious diet clinic that sets up in an ex-asylum. Ooh. Yeah, That's I awesome. used to work, I worked in, an asy- in a British, like one of the last bits were in asylums. Oh. So it's set in that place where I used to work.
0: Not autobiographical. No
1: thought okay.
0: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> you were going to reveal something horrifying,
1: <laughs> yeah, but they are, they are pretty horrible buildings. The old, I mean, that doesn't exist now, and um, but I remember thinking, walking down the corridor one day, and thinking, I wonder what they'll turn this into when it goes to its closing down by the time I work there. And I thought, whatever it is, if it was flats, it could be the most luxurious flats in the world, I would never live here. It's just there's such a bad feeling. There was yeah. such a bad feeling, oh, in that
0: place. yeah. Oh
1: so it's very easy to write a dark thriller set within the walls
0: yeah yeah where you had to go to work thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it this has been wonderful
1: oh no thank you for asking me
0: thank you for joining me on geek 4 you can follow the show on instagram and twitter at geek 4 pod or me on twitter at mw Voice. if you listen on apple podcast click the subscribe button and consider leaving a five-star review Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for.